we just entered into the season of Lent, which is the 40 days leading up to Easter. And this 40-day journey that the global church right now is, has ventured upon is a journey in which we look again. We never really stop looking for the record, but we look again to the God who took on skin in Christ, who lived the life we couldn't live and was condemned to die a death that he didn't deserve, but he did it willingly and lovingly because he knew only in and through it could the little old issue of sin be dealt with definitively once and for all. And as he would assume and take on the reality of humanity's chaos and sin and bondage and brokenness, just look at the news or newspaper, your favorite app, you'll see what I'm talking about. Or you can just go hang out in the nursery and hear the, the account, the, the amount of me's and no's and mine. That thing and all of its different manifestations, sin, Jesus took upon himself and he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And so during the season of Lent, the global church looks at the sufferings of Christ because in and through them, we don't just see a bummer that some guy who was a carpenter and Jewish and in his 30s suffered, but we look to that man and realize, no, that's actually God's suffering as well. That's not just a bummer of an event, but that God would go so low as to participate in the very suffering and grind of a life and an existence that's ravished by hatred and prejudice and war and sin and darkness and death, that he would enter into the very teeth of that so that its power would no longer be held over the world, but now there is a new way made available through Jesus. And so I, I, I wanted to do something as a church that we, we haven't done um, Yet, and I wanted us to go through just a, one of the books of the Bible that is one of the earliest books in the Bible of, of the New Testament written, the book of Galatians. And the reason I love Galatians so much is it is one of the first New Testament books written, and it's all about Jesus and the gospel. The book of Galatians is six chapters that look at the person and work of Jesus as he's portrayed on the cross. And from six different angles, we see something of the glory and person and work of Jesus Christ. So for those of you who are like, there's no way in six weeks between now and Easter, Chad, you're going to be able to get through 255 verses. And you would be right. So for those of you who are line upon liners, we're not going to go in depth into everything. So just take a deep breath, because it ain't going to happen. But for those who want to dive deep, I encourage you, as I've been doing the last several weeks, make Galatians a regular part of your devotions. Memorize it. Read it. 
journal about? What, what is it reveal about God? What is it revealing about Jesus? What is it revealing about yourself? What is it revealing about our world? What is it revealing about the new world that's available to us in and through Jesus? What does it reveal about how to belong to God's family? What does it reveal about how do we overcome adversity within God's family? It's all in there. And so for those who are wanting, a, 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 you know, line upon line, you're not going to get it, but we are going to hit the main, as I see it and others, points that point us to the truth and the reality that Galatians reveals so profoundly And it is this, there is no other gospel than the gospel of Jesus Christ that has power to save you from your sins, that has power to deliver you from the power of your sins, so not just a one-time jailbreak, but an ongoing perpetual lifestyle living in the power of God that is only in and through the gospel of Jesus Christ, that a bunch of people who are different ages and races and economic classes, but that through the gospel, you and I are all made one big old happy family that's not always happy all the times, but that through the gospel, we are made one. You're going to discover during this series that there is no other gospel that has the power to take someone bound And one of the most heinous sins, which is religion and legalism, and it's only the gospel that can liberate the legalist when they encounter the grace and reality of Jesus Christ. So we're going to look for the next six weeks about the glory of the gospel as it pertains to this little tiny letter called Galatians. When I was 16, I got a text message from Dave a couple weeks ago. I just celebrated my spiritual birthday, February 22nd, 2001, I stumbled into a prayer meeting with a bunch of old people, mostly women, come on, someone said glory, and I was bound by Sin, I was bound by my selfishness. I was on a journey towards nowhere. So much so, basketball, my dad was an All-American. My, my sister was an All-American. Basketball, we spent our whole life growing up, traveling and playing. And this, I had this idea of what my life, the end of my journey would look like as a successful person that was well-liked and loved and popular and a baller. You can Google what that means if you don't know what I'm talking about. But somewhere along the line, as I went toward the end goal of what I was going after as a young man, I realized that the closer I got to it, the further it got from me. I realized that that thing that promised life and satisfaction and joy, that as I would take a step in my flesh and take a step as what I thought was right for the moment, that... As soon as my heel hit the ground, I I had to take another step because how many of you all know that sin always promises fulfillment, but once you partake of it, you're emptier before than when you entered into that journey of, 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 of temptation and sin. And so my whole life was just perpetually, and so one of those steps, my sister tattletailed on me. It was a bad step, and my dad found out about it and grounded me, as many of you have heard my story, and said, you can't go anywhere but to church and to school. And as I always say, those were my two favorite places to go at the time. (laughs) 
And so here I was, February 22nd, 2001, a rebellious teenager who was trying to go down a journey and a path that I thought was going to really make me happy and satisfied, but I was just, just so depressed and bound by the sins that I didn't want to name because they were so vile and terrible. And, and I stumbled into a prayer meeting. Maybe that's why we have prayer meetings every day, because I just... I think if people can just encounter God, it sort of takes care of a lot of the things that bind us. But anyway, and I remember praying, and um, the reason this is all fresh, because I was just reminded by Dave sent me a text on my spiritual birthday. I don't know how he remembered. I guess he is the numbers guy. (laughs) On the spiritual birthday, and he said, I'm so glad that God encountered you and got a hold of you that day 16 years ago and for even the continued fruit it is having on your life. And it was on that day, it wasn't in fireworks or in lights or a big humdrum emotion, but on my path towards nowhere, the living God revealed himself to me and I've never gotten over what I saw and experienced in the love and grace of Jesus like I did that day. I'm almost 33, so going on 16, 17 years. How about you? Have you ever found yourself on a journey and on a road, going nowhere even though you thought you were going somewhere? Has anyone ever experienced some of the peeling out of sin in your life where you thought you were headed, but the reality is it always promises you forward, but it only knows one direction, and it's backwards? Is anyone out there today that you've experienced going out on a journey or on a path and that, that you, it promised to deliver, but when you got there, you realized, man, it didn't have the capability to deliver what your soul longed for? Is anyone out there today who's experienced Jesus encountering you on your path and on your journey. And the beauty of it is, is that we're going to see the Apostle Paul, who is the guy who wrote this letter, is that he also was on a path that seemed right to him. And then he met Jesus, and it was game over. It changed the whole trajectory and aim and ambition of his heart and of his life. And the point of the message today is that it doesn't matter what journey or road that you're on. Whether you're looking for Jesus or not, he's already on your path coming for you. He's already on the road. He's already... What we call it in our tradition is that his grace is already going before to release the encounter that will finally and ultimately meet you at your deepest place of longing, the deepest place of emptiness, the deepest place of your shame and what you feel like when no one's around, that Jesus is already walking down that road toward you this morning and he's offering you grace and life forward regardless of what was behind you in your rear view mirror. And Paul was an apostle basically just means he was sent by God. Say sent by God. That's what it means. And the apostle Paul, who's, if you're reading your Bible, for those who want to go a little bit deeper, you can read Acts chapter 7 through 9 if you're taking notes. 
You can read Acts chapter 22 and Acts chapter 26 and Philippians 3. For all of you who want to have homework, you can discover a little bit more about the Apostle Paul. I'm just going to make a few comments about him this morning. Number one, open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. And we see starting right there at verse 1 that Paul was sent from, not from men, nor by a man, but he was sent to do what he was doing by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Verse 3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So here's the question. How did the Apostle Paul get to that place? Well, in summary, the Apostle Paul, this deeply religious man, was what he thought to be on the winning team. He was more faithful to his religion. He was more devoted to holiness as it pertains to obeying a bunch of laws. He was more adequately trained, being discipled under one of the smartest guys in his entire world named Gamaliel. You can read it in the book of Acts. He was more zealous. He had more fervor and passion for the ways of God than anyone around him. He was born in the right family. He was ready to be made partner. I mean, he had every single thing going. But what the Apostle Paul didn't have going for him was though he was on the winning team, in his mind, he was playing the wrong game. Come on, Patricia, that was... He was on a path and on a journey that many that he walked with and lived with in his life thought the road led to the kingdom, thought it led to the good life, thought it led to influence, thought it would lead to cultural transformation. He thought it would lead to God driving out the enemies of Rome and those that occupied Israel Paul was on this road one day and he was doing everything in his power to participate in what he thought would bring about God's blessing. But the only bummer is he was on the wrong road. But even being on the wrong road does not disqualify you. Jesus knows how to find you no matter your road that you're on, no matter what moves you or your heart. And the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter, was on a road to what he thought was everything, but really was nothing until he met Jesus. And what happened to him was he was just out, you know, he had orders to go out and to arrest Christians. He was a, if you read Acts 7 through 9, he was there shuffling the coats from those who killed the very first Christian, Stephen, in Acts chapter 8 and 9. This coat carrying, lot casting for the sake of murdering and snuffing out this movement called Christianity. That's the Apostle Paul who's writing this letter, one of the first letters written in the New Testament. And it's on a road to carry out more of his wickedness that he thought was righteousness. Come on, somebody. You ever confuse the two, your acts and God's acts? And it's on that road that a bright and shining light 
surrounds him, blinds him, and from his blindness, the voice of Jesus himself speaks in, in Acts chapter 9. He says, he calls him by his name, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? The, Saul said, his name was Saul. Who are you? I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Dude, you're, all, you're, you're aiming at the wrong target. You've missed me. And then he showed him in that moment, over a period of three years and then 14 years, if you keep reading in Galatians 1, he un- Jesus himself showed him what life was all about. How many would like to have Jesus as your one-on-one direct teacher? How many know you can have that by the Holy Spirit today? I pulled a fast one on you, but anyway. And so when we read the Apostle Paul saying in verse 6 of Galatians 1, that's his story. He was on the road to nowhere, although in his day he was on the shiny, shimmery road on the way to promotion. He was a man of, of prominence, of pomp. He was a man of influence. He had nothing, nothing in the natural that could keep him from attaining, attaining higher and higher in his day. And it's in that place that he meets Jesus and his life has forever changed. He is wrecked. It wasn't his idea to find Jesus. It was Jesus' idea to find and encounter Paul. And so Paul is writing to these churches, these churches that he planted, some of the first churches planted outside of Jerusalem, which was sort of the center, central command center of the early church. And the apostle Paul and others have planted and preached the gospel in these little towns in modern day Turkey and some have come to faith, and then Paul had to move on because he was a church-planting missionary, and then he finds out that some people who are still bound by religion but have a little bit of Jesus, come on somebody, had infiltrated the churches that he planted, and they started saying that it's not enough for the grace of Christ to save you, you need to add some religion to the grace of Christ, and the apostle Paul hears about it, and that's why he writes the letter. Because he finds out there are some people who are claiming to be religious and they're saying, yeah, it's about Jesus, but it's also about obeying some of these rules. And the Apostle Paul realized he was the rule guy and he knew it did not produce what it promised. It didn't produce the life that he was craving in his soul. And so when the Apostle Paul hears this, this church planting missionary that some people claim to be somebody, are infiltrating the ranks of the churches that he's planted with this false teaching, he's not okay with it. He's not okay with people coming in behind him and saying, you need more than the grace of Christ to participate in the life of God. And so he says here in verse 6, we're going to read, I am so, I am astonished. Usually, if you notice, I've been reading Paul's letters for 17 years. They're some of my favorite parts of the Bible in the New Testament. Usually the Apostle Paul saves the heavy stuff till about chapter three or four of his books. If you read it, just start reading Galatians, Ephesians, just read your New Testament. It's awesome. But here in Galatians, after the very brief prayer and the very brief introduction, he's like gung-ho. Because it's so serious. Because he knew if you miss the gospel, you miss everything about the Christian life. So the Apostle Paul is so... Let's read it. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. And you're turning to, say it with me if you have your Bible, a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. And here's why he's writing the letter. Evidently, 
some people are throwing you into confusion. They're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say it again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted when I shared it with you when you were planted as a church, let that person be under God's curse. And so the argument for the Apostle Paul in these churches is that people who claim to be from the mothership and the church in Jerusalem were coming with all of these rules claiming that Paul was an illegitimate apostle because he wasn't one of the original 12, claiming that Paul's message was easy on sin, and that's why he didn't make him obey all the rules and laws of Judaism, and that the reality is that his gospel didn't produce life transformation, and so it was like a watered-down version of religiosity. And Paul, on all three accounts, is like, you guys don't know anything about the gospel I preach. And so these guys are coming into his churches that he's planted, and they're saying, yeah, you know what Paul told you about the whole grace and only through Jesus thing? Yeah, that's sort of true, but you need to obey a few of these laws so that you can actually be part of God's people. And I want you to know, even as Paul wrote these in around 40 to 50 AD, they are still as relevant today in 2017. That there is nothing you can add to the grace of Christ that is required for you to be saved. Nothing. And then Paul says in verse 10, am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? If I was trying to please people, buddy, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. Amen. If I was trying to give some watered down, easy peasy version of the gospel, I promise you I would not be going around planting churches at the expense of my life and the risk of losing my life if it was some watered down, crummy version. And so Paul says, there's no other gospel. These guys who are throwing you into confusion, they, they've got another thing coming. And I just want to press into these last few verses, and then we're going to celebrate communion together. Verse 11, they just speak on their own. This is so powerful. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. You see, the argument against the Apostle Paul in one of the first letters of the New Testament is that the Apostle Paul, where did he get his message? And the argument from these fake religious agitators who wanted to add and superimpose a bunch of religious rules on top of Christianity, their argument against Paul was, who's the one who gave you your message? Who gives you authority to go around and plant churches and preach about Jesus? And so Paul's saying here, I didn't receive it from any school or institution, even though I was one of the smartest of my day. I didn't receive it or learn it in some classroom. What I'm preaching, I received directly from revelation from Jesus Christ. And here's his argument. This is his testimony here in chapter one, and I just love it. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism. As a zealous Jewish man in the first century who was trying to snuff out the movement of Christianity because in his mind there's no way that the Messiah, the one who would rescue Israel and the world from sin, could possibly die a gruesome bloody death on the cross. There's no way God could save the world that way. And so his whole life was motivated to snuff out these little pockets, these little pockets, these little clusters. And I want you to know that even though the enemy has tried to snuff out 
the church from its inception, it cannot be snuffed out because Jesus is the Lord of his church and he's in the midst of his church and you cannot snuff out the work of the gospel. For you have heard of my previous way of life. I persecuted the church of God. I tried, look at his testimony, I tried to destroy it. Holy cow. Hit pause. No matter how filthy your sin is, I promise you God's not afraid of it today. I mean, we're talking about an ex-murderer here trying to snuff out the church. So no matter what you came in here with, the gospel is more powerful than your gunk or funk or junk. That was a good one. He said, I try to destroy the church. Verse 14, I was, listen, I'm not just like a religious guy. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age. So I was a shiny example of my generation. I was so zealous for the traditions of my fathers. There's his path, this religious road that was going nowhere fast. And then he says this, but when God, someone say that, but when God. You see, I want you to know that no matter what sin or your choices have made of your life, there is a plan that's bigger than your choices and mistakes. It's the plan God has for your life. I wanted you to know that no matter how much your life feels like it's in rambles or shambles or hanging on by a thread, there is a God in heaven who knows the very hairs on your head, the days written in your book, and he has a plan for your life that the enemy cannot thwart or overthrow. He's still devoted to you no matter what you think about you. There's a God who has a plan, and even in Saul's zealous, murderous, ambitious, wrong-aimed affection and aim of his life, even though he was jacked up and bent out of shape, there was a God in heaven who said, I still got a plan for this dude. And I want you to know that today God has a plan for you. It doesn't matter what your target is. His plan for you is good. But God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, called, look at this, set me apart, called me by his grace, revealed his son where? In me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles or the world. And the, the, the closing comment today is this, is you cannot, add, so the, the Apostle Paul, it was not his idea to find Jesus on the road that day. In fact, he was going to try to kill the church of Jesus. The question today is this, no matter what road you're on, has God revealed Christ in you? Has God revealed Christ in you? I'm not saying, listen, it is the only thing that has the power to, to transport you from the road that leads to nowhere onto the road that leads to life and life abundantly. The only way from run one road to the other is not by trying harder or thinking deeper, although we can try and we can think, it's okay, but it's to believe and then to receive by the Spirit the revelation that Christ alone is capable and able to save, to forgive, to set your life on a path that you could never inch your way toward apart from his grace and his love. Has Christ been revealed to you? The Apostle Paul knew, that's why in, right here in chapter 1 of Galatians, you could read the rest all week. 
The reason he could not tolerate for one second people trying to come behind him and adding to the simplicity of the gospel was because it was the person, it was Jesus alone who revealed himself to him that could transform his life. He tried through effort. He tried through rule keeping. He tried through purity. He tried through his own zeal and passion. But it was when God revealed Jesus to him that he had his journey altered forever. And why, when he heard that people were trying to make it harder than that, he rises up and by the Spirit writes this letter to say, guys, there's no other gospel that saves but the gospel of Jesus Christ. The announcement that God in Christ has paid for our sins and now reigns and rules over the world. And he's inviting men, women, boys, and girls, no matter what journey they are on, to receive his grace, to be rescued from the penalty of their sin and the power of their sin, and to walk on the path of freedom through Jesus. Has, has Jesus become real to you? Lord, we just say that there is no other gospel, there is no other way by which and through which we can be saved no matter what path or journey we're on. It is through Christ and Christ alone that we can experience the freedom, the satisfaction that our souls long for. And Father, as we enter into this time of communion, it's open communion, would you draw our hearts what is required? What is required? What is required to experience his grace and forgiveness? A turning to Jesus is what's required. That's what the big Bible word means by repentance, where we, we turn away from ourselves and from whatever path we're on, and we just receive his forgiveness, his love, and his life so that we can walk and experience an entirely different new life. Lord, I pray that you would do that in our hearts as we take these elements this morning together as a church family. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.